Jordan Peterson's so great at articulating these things. And he said, is there anything more real than pain? And pain is, that's pretty real, right? Like you lose your dad in 9-11, you feel that, man, that's pain, that's real. That's, that's about as real as it gets. Your innocence is shattered, your happiness, all that stuff. But what is more real? And he said, well, there is something more real. It's the meaning you derive from that loss. And it is the ability to transcend not only that loss, but how about this? Be thankful for it. Look at it like it's a gift. When I was listening to you on Rogan, your last appearance, you asked Joe about, do you think about spirituality and God and he kind of just shut you down? And I heard it in your voice that you wanted to talk about that. Well, I've just been thinking about it a lot. I've been ruminating on, on the notion of, of the importance of a higher transcendent truth. So if, if you behave as though, let's say, the commandments are true, if you behave as though there is a God, and in other words, if you behave as though someone is watching you who's not, a, who's not human— See, I think we all know how to behave. I think all of us know we have nostalgia in our— we have this sort of a priori, this like, you know, before experience kind of idea. We have this inherent idea of what's right and what's wrong, right? I'm be, am I, if I'm being a dick, if I'm being jealous, if I'm being angry, if I'm treating somebody poorly, if I'm, if I'm bullying somebody, you just know. You just know. You can justify it, but there's, there's this sort of, I don't know, this sense, and maybe that's where guilt comes from and stuff. So I, I, I'm interested in why that is the case, and I, I, I think that is probably something close to, we know all of us know that there's a better way to, if you move in this direction, it's better, and if you move in that direction, it's worse, right? So, so hookers in an eight ball, every night is not going to work out as well as working out and reading good shit, right? So it's like, I'm using extreme examples, but you can always extrapolate. You can just keep going in one direction or another. And, and I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about more and more as I get older. And that, I guess you just answered my question there. I wanted to ask why you're thinking about that, but while you're on that topic, is there any subjectivity there in regards to nature versus nurture? So we have that like gut idea or that intuition what is right and wrong, but what about people that are just raised a certain way and maybe they're taught to think what is good is bad and vice versa? But see, even those people, right? So let's take extreme examples like, I don't know, the Nazis or or the Japanese in World War II. You know, I, I read a book called The Nobility of Failure where I read these haiku poems that the kamikaze wrote back to their families. And most of the kamikaze who, who, who got in their planes and just crashed them into like, you know, ships and stuff, they were the students in universities and they weren't engineering or math students. They were actually art, art students. They were literature students. Students, they were romantics. And in their mind, you know, they were defending something that they loved. They were defending the only place in the world, which was Japan, where things were beautiful, where people were beautiful, where the truth was. The way you get, you know, an army to fight, young men to fight, and this goes back to Herodotus, is not to tell them, it, it's not hate that, that motivates men. It's the love of what they are defending. That's when you get a fierce, fierce uh, adversary. If you're fighting somebody who loves, who is protecting what they love, that is way more formidable. So, so again, it, it goes back to these, these things that human beings, so when, even when human beings do terrible things, 
In their mind, they're trying to solve a problem. In their mind, uh, you know, they have to, that's why, that's why typically when you see atrocities like the Japanese and what they did in Manchuria to the Chinese, the Chinese, they, those young men were taught that the Chinese were actually subhuman. You can't tell people that they're exactly like you, that they bleed, cry, laugh at the same things. They just speak a different language. If you do that, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to really wipe out a village. The way you get people to wipe out a village is you've got to say they're, they're subhuman. They don't die the way we do. You heard that shit from Americans when we were bombing Iraq and Afghanistan. You heard it all the time. Now, they don't think of human life the way we do. Of course, that's a lie. I, I, I can tell you that's, that's, a, that's a joke. But you, you would go crazy if you didn't think that. You've got to think that you're fighting evil. So maybe that's kind of where I think that, yeah, I just think that that's probably um, what got me, I've always thought about, I've always kind of thought there's got to be a higher truth because I felt it and I fucked up. You know, I, most of the time I was going the opposite direction and justifying all my bullshit. You get older and you're like, man. What do you mean feel it? What'd you feel? You just, you know, you're, you're, you're a misfit. You're a comic. It's a rock and roll lifestyle. You do whatever the fuck you want. You know, you just, you're out there, you're, you're partying, you're partying. You're, you're like girls and, and booze and drugs and you, you and your friends, you, and you surround yourself with people of like mind and you're all acting like idiots. But you know, even when you're doing that, you're like, you know, I'll get it together later on. Well, this is actually interesting because off mic, you were talking about loss, but we weren't talking about loss in a biological sense. Just, you know, I, 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 I think there's obviously, I know there are different variables of loss in life. There's not to be in biological death. And I think the grieving process is similar in a way. So if you're explaining how you were then to how you are now and thinking about these spiritual things and more deeper things, in, retros in respect to loss, do you feel like there was a, a loss of identity in becoming someone else? Does that make sense? I think life has a way of humbling you as you get older. And, I, and, I, and more importantly, I think you get tired of, see, I, I'm a pretty honest person. But you're always, when you're really honest, you're lying about, there are certain areas you're lying to yourself about. Could be in a relationship you're in, could be in what you choose to do for a living. But we're, we, tell each, we, we tell ourselves a lot of bullshit because man, it's hard to be, you know, it's hard to be a Spartan across the board because it's all self-restriction. Well, there's no way. It's all one big no. Don't eat that, you know, and all that. But you get tired of that. And so what I decided is I want to be radically honest across the board about everything I'm doing. Everything, man. I don't want any, I don't want any secrets. I want people to know exactly where I'm. And if I've made mistakes, you'll know about that too. You just have to ask me and I'll tell you. That is when you feel congruent with who you really are. That's when you start to feel like you're more powerful. So, so you ever hear this expression, there's like the shadow, the Jungian shadow, right? Which is really that side of yourself that you're hiding from people. It's like that side, you don't want people to, you put all your insecurities in that little yeah, guy. Yeah, he's downstairs You right keep now. him over there. I'm not, I, I'm on a podcast. You got to see, this is, this is, this is who I am. I'm, you know, I want, I'm, I'm, things are great. In, in truth, you can make that misfit, that person you're ashamed of, you bring that with you. And that becomes your friend. That informs your expression. Don't hide it, man. Just, but you have to come to terms with it. You got to come to terms with why you are that way. Have you ever met somebody who you're, who you ever, 
and we probably always have. Have you ever met somebody who you have a friend who's very, very honest, very successful, very rad? So Joe Rogan's that guy. Rogan is very honest. He yesterday he called me and we were talking about stand up and he gave me advice. He goes, "Can I be honest with you?" And he gave me some advice on some stand up I was doing. It was so inspiring. And I ended up writing one of the best bits I've ever written right after that. But but he's that honest. Like he if he loves his friends, he's going to be he's going to tell you something that's totally inconvenient. He'll be like, "You're not working that hard." Like because he has to. Otherwise he can't hang out with you. He has to tell you that if he loves you. So, so what happens if you, if you don't come correct with someone like that, if you don't come congruent with who you really are with somebody like that, uh, you're going to be, you're going to, you're not going to be, you're going to be nervous. Mm-hmm. You're going to be off your, or it's like when you see a beautiful woman, right? Why do guys, why do guys have problem, problems talking to a beautiful woman? What's going on when you can't talk to a beautiful woman? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. You're approaching her. You're trying to pull a fast one on her. You can't come up to her and say, I, all I want to do is have sex with you. I would crawl over broken glass just to get to you. I just want to see you naked. Because that's what happens to guys. You see a woman and you're just like, holy fuck. You know, you, there's a biological response to a beautiful woman or in a bar, or you're just overwhelmed by her beauty or whatever it might be, right? You're a young man. And so because you're trying, now you're trying to act casual. You're like, what's up? How you doing? But it's, a, it's, a, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. You're, so you're already coming, you're already approaching her uh, under false pretenses, right? So mm. I think that's why guys have trouble talking to, to somebody. I think all of us, men or women, you have trouble approaching somebody like that. But if you just come at them really honestly, like, hey, how you doing? That's all. No agenda. How you doing? I just want to see what you're like as a person first. Let me just see what's going on. I, I'm over. And you can be like, you know, it's like, it's like, um, I played this one time. This, this, this character was overwhelmed by this woman, and I didn't know how to play it. But then I was like, oh, I know how to do this. And I, and I, I looked like I'd smelled something bad. I went like this because I was so overwhelmed. I was like, what's your name? And what do you do? Like, in other words, what the fuck am I? I don't even know what to do with myself. Like, I, I didn't even know people like you were made. Like, did <laughs> You know what I mean? Like what happened? Like th- this is like God put you on the earth to be like, this is what you could have been. You know what I mean? <laughs> or this is what you could have. And you're like, ah, I suck. Yeah. You know, but, th- but there's nothing wrong with that. It's funny. You see how you're laughing? Because yeah. that's honest. Mm-hmm. So again, I, th- th- when we talk about this stuff, it's, it all goes back to being honest. And I think that's important in regards to what we're, you know, we're talking about a lot of things right now, but when it comes to dealing with loss or death, whatever the hell it is, that honesty is obviously important to other people, but it's, almost just as important, if not more important, to be honest with yourself. I feel like the easiest person to lie, you can lie bullshit other people, but how easy is it to lie to yourself? Oh man, I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know what I mean? Most of us, most of us, and it's not your fault. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. Most of us are living on a, in a house of cards. Most of us, it's just, it's just, it's just hard, man. It's just, life is hard enough. And, and also you want to be tactful and also you want to be convenient and also you want to keep the harmony in a, in, in a room. So you can't go in there and go, that hat that you're wearing makes you look like an elephant. Yeah. I'm not attracted to you anymore. I got to go by. You can't, you just don't do those things. But sometimes yeah, that's but I, the truth. But, but for me, when I've gone through shit, that, that I think that sometimes I, I think I'm pretty honest to myself and I think that's what drives me nuts because when I, I am so honest with myself and then when I still do things that are wrong, that I know are wrong, I get, I'm even, I put myself on sometimes in a deeper hole because I know I'm doing it wrong. Like sometimes I wish I was just ignorant and wasn't so honest to myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I do. I know exactly what you mean. I don't know. I don't know what to do sometimes. I mean, I know what to do. That's, that's the maybe point. That's, maybe that's the truth too. There's also something like that too. Like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say here. And that's okay. I've, I've said this over and over again. I mean, I, maybe I'm talking to myself right now. I think I'm giving my own therapy session. But like, it is okay to say you don't know. It is okay to give yourself a little grace. Well, as dudes, easier. we're not raised that way. Like as dudes, I got to have all the answers. That's my joke. It's like being a guy's exhausting because you got to wake up every day and be like, today's a good day to die. I got all the answers. And, and in truth, we're like, I don't fucking know what to do. And I'm terrified about everything. Well, the perfect example of that is my podcast where I think like 70% women and talking wow. about a topic about death. Wow. And it's definitely not because of my face or anything like that because I don't barely show my face. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so to talk to someone like you who is a man and is expressing yourself in many ways, I think that's important. And I think there's this facade that, and it goes back to, again, I think being honest, there is something about men just and opening up and, uh, well, you know, I, I've always been obsessed with masculinity. And what I mean by that is I've always been obsessed with the notion of courage. And I think men, our biggest fear is that we're cowards and our biggest aspiration is to be a hero. And I would define hero as somebody who puts uh, something higher, a higher principle over even their own flesh and blood, their own, you know, th th this, th this vessel willing to die for something, you Sacrifice. know, defending you know, th th these are the kinds of people that we kind of seem to reach for or emulate. But I don't think that's a man or a woman thing. That's just a human thing. Right. So, so you get older, you're 56. I'm at my age. I, I don't, I, I don't know if I, it's funny because I'm raising two sons. I, I don't know anymore that I agree with my traditional sense of masculinity. I do think men have certain proclivities. I think we are, we do have that DNA. If you really want to know how men are, we are hunters and protectors. And that's important to us, man. I, I, I got to be able to provide and I got to be able to protect. And if I can't, if you, you want to make a dangerous person, you want to you you make the most dangerous man in the world is a man who can't provide for his family mm -hmm. and who's hum humiliated and who doesn't feel significant because they will, they, because what they'll do is they'll pick up a gun. Then you're going to, then, then they'll be real significant. So, so, you know, that is very deep and that's very deep for us. And, you know, and I, I wish more women understood that. Like it's my joke in my standup. I'm like, when a man meets another man, there's only one question in the room. And in the beginning, it's like, could I kill this motherfucker? You know, that's it, right? Like if we were in a room naked, who comes out first? We all do this. And then we, and then it's a negotiation from there. And, 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 you know, I, I think that that's very real because that is how we had to survive. I, I have to cooperate. I got, I, I, the minute you guys all came in. We all got along right away. We had, we had a whole language. Did you see, see how we did that? We were all like, bang, bang, bang. I know this guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. We were all laughing and we have a language. We didn't have to, we just know each other, right? I, I, don't, know the, I don't know you guys, but I know you guys. And that comes from, I think, millennia of hunting in groups and having to rely on, our, on, on each other to survive the winter and also to defend the children and the women we love from the other guys in the tribe over there. And I really think that's as deep as it gets. I really do. That's why loyalty for dudes is so important. That makes sense. Yeah. But how much of that is uh, affecting, again, what we were talking about in regards to the, I'm not saying all men, like I feel like I'm pretty expressive at this point in my life for the most part, but how do you get men to, or do you think it's even important for men to open up? I do think it's important for men to open up in a way, I, but I, but I think that that's so, well, so it's interesting because I, I don't know how old the man, the man is. So, so, so the man, in other words, like, I think you go through phases as a man, just like as a human being. Yeah. And so 
it's not as important for us to be open for guys. Like, I don't need you to hold me and I don't need to talk my problems out. Actually don't need that. What I really want is to be, if I know I'm building something and I'm getting really good at something and I'm getting really, uh, especially if I'm, if I know at the end of the tunnel, I'm going to be significant. I'm going to be important. I'm going to be one of the best at what I chose to do. Money in the bank, power, you know, uh, I'm going to feel good about myself. I always say, if you want to get, you want to learn about yourself, get really good at something. I, that's my advice to men. I, I don't, I don't speak for women, but that's my advice for men. Get really good at something because the process you will undertake to get very good at something, you will have to come up against your shortcomings. You'll have to confront all your weaknesses, all your liabilities. So I don't know that being emotionally open is as cathartic to men when what really matters, they'll crawl over, they'll crawl over, like they will, they will crawl, they'll starve and freeze and be miserable if they know at the end of that, they will be a Navy SEAL. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They'll be a black belt in jujitsu. They'll be one of the best in the world in the NFL. Hey bro, I don't need your therapy. I'm on my way somewhere. I got a goal. I got a prize. I'm going to kill it. That's what I care about. Hey, I'll sleep. Literally, I'll sleep on that, on that wood floor. If it means, if I know, if I see that light, if I see that prize, that's how we are, I think. I, but I wonder if I'm off kilt here. How many people, maybe this is a bad example, people that get all the money in the world, you see actors, celebrities, this or that, that get to the pinnacle and they're still fucking miserable. Well, now you're, now you're, now you're, now this is why we're talking. Yeah. And I think maybe when I said expressing like, yeah, I I don't think, I think we're talking about grief, this, that, dealing with shit. It's all kind of relative. Some of them, I think they're all the same modalities, which is why I respect this conversation. But when you're going through something and you don't uh, go back to what we're saying, be honest with yourself. So maybe it's not necessarily having to talk about and tell the world on dead talks, but I think a lot of that is diversion by focusing on a task and doing it, which is still expressive and good. You're going to learn things throughout it, but are you just kicking the real issue at the side? Probably. There's, so there's plenty of that. You get to your goal, you climb to the top of the wall and it's the wrong wall. You don't like the view, whatever the, you know, whatever those expressions are. We see this all the time. I know very, very accomplished people that have no peace of mind, right? It's that Jungian expression where if you don't take, if you don't, I guess, bring the subconscious to the conscious. It will act out as fate in your life. Yes. It's a great saying, right? Because- I like that. You know, you, you do have to confront, it does go beyond accomplishment, status, and power. Now we're getting into the spiritual. Yes. Now we're getting into life will humble you. And if it humbles you, you are blessed. And because Mr. Rogan, then, if you're listening now, this is, what, this is what we wanted to hear on this podcast. <laughs> I think so. I think that that's, I think that- uh, this is where these expressions like walking with God, right? Like I, I, I walk for a higher truth than what man makes. See, I, I loved what Jordan Peterson said, and it's, I, I didn't get this from him, but I, this is something that, that I heard when I was a young man. And it really drove me because I, I read Man's Search for Meaning and all those books. You know, the, I, but Jordan Peterson's so great at articulating these things. And he said, is there anything more real than pain? And pain is, that's pretty real, right? Like you lose your dad in 9-11, you feel that, man. That's pain, that's real. That's, that's about as real as it gets. Your innocence is shattered, your happiness, all that stuff. But what is more real? And he said, well, there is something more real. It's the meaning you derive from that loss. And it is the ability to transcend not only that loss, but how about this? Be thankful for it. Look at it like it's a gift, 
you know, Stephen Colbert lost, I think, two brothers and his dad in a plane crash. And uh, Anderson Cooper, you can see this interview. He's like, he looks like he's about to cry. I think he is crying. And he said, you said God's punishments are gifts. Do you really believe that? And Colbert said, yes, I do. But you wouldn't understand that if you hadn't gone through it. You just wouldn't, man. And you sure as hell don't understand it while you're going through it, you know? You know the ironic part of what you just said there? So I'm getting like a little... Uh, I, told, I saw you. You got emotional. Yeah, no, because I, I told you a second ago, I just went through that with my mom. It's like very fresh. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here, to be honest, because mm. I can't. I come back west and they're back east and tell another story. But it's you said that you don't realize it when you're going through it. But for me personally, and maybe it's because of my prior experiences, I, this, even what I've gone through, I always think this... Millions of so many other people have it worse. Like I, even with I've gone through, I always think that someone always has it worse. And um, even when my mom was in the hospital, and I'm with my sisters in the middle of it, I don't know what it was that took over me, but I was intentionally trying to be present in that moment and aware of the beauty that was happening within this. Even by my mom's That's bedside, pretty impressive. Even That's pretty amazing. even by my mom's bedside, I couldn't help but look at my sisters. Obviously, this pain of looking at them upset and having to do this, but the realness. I'm, I'm being honest with you is I was like, this is incredible. This is incredible the way me and my Jacqueline and Gina are working together and Ken and Jeff and my whole family, the, the way we are- You were just practicing like, gratefulness. We were, I really you was. saw what was right. I really was. I, besides seeing the, the improvements in my mom and having a blend of having faith, even with the, you know, what we don't know, but the dynamic of me and my, me and my sisters, like even to date, amongst everyone that was involved, but like, I understand high emotion, chaos, and all that. Emotions run high. There's conflict, disagreement. That's very, that makes sense. There was none of that. And I, I can't tell you how blessed I am to even have that because look, well, that, that's a operate, huge blessing because you wouldn't understand that if you hadn't gone through. Look, it's like, it's like the, the, whether you believe in God or not, let's use the universe or let's use God. I don't care what you use. But I think the truest thing to, the, the way to walk through your life is to not ask what it's not about what you're trying to get from the universe or slash God. It's what God slash the universe is trying to get from you. And whether you think God exists or not, I don't care. But if you think about whatever happens to you, especially the bad, um, in some ways you should say thank you because it's, it's causing you to grow. If you attach the meaning like I'm going through hell and I, I see nothing but clouds, but let me see who I am as a result of this. Let's see if I can, let's see who I am and who I will become. And let's see how, how let's see if I can not only suffer well, but come out of this a better person, a stronger person. That is the gift. And I think when you really understand that and you embrace that, Man, you don't, you're not afraid anymore. You're not afraid. You're just not as afraid because we all go through life as for afraid, but that's the gift of realizing no matter what you do to me, no matter what happens, as long as I walk my righteous path, then I will be stronger. I will get closer to God or at least the truth. I don't know what you want to call it. God, truth, I don't care, but I'm going to get closer to that because that's all I care about. It's all I ever cared about, really. But I was fucking around. When I was younger, I was like, man, I got to, hey, bro, I got to dip my toe in the pool of sin. You're about to say balls? Yeah, I got to do my thing. I got to teabag life a little bit, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and I don't like that person. I think it's, I think it's a great thing that I look back on. I know I was, I, look, I, people like me, I was a good person. Okay, I was a good person. I'm sorry, I was a good person. I did, 
I gave to charity and I, I did all my stuff. You know, I'm not a, you know. Check the box. And I don't even, but I don't take credit for that. I, that I don't take credit for that. I, the, I am, I have a natural empath in me, okay? That's just how I am. I hate hurting people's feelings. I, I don't like that stuff, right? So I get it from my mother. I was born with that. That's nothing I, I, I don't deserve any credit for it. I was just fucking that way. That's why I, honesty is, ugh, you know, like I just protect people. I, I grew up all over the world. So I was always moved. So I, I, I wanted to make friends. And the way I learned very quickly how to make people f happy about what they were proud. I could see what, right away what people were proud of and what they were ashamed of. I, I, I picked up on that right away. And I would, I would highlight what they were proud of and, and protect them from what they were ashamed of. So they wanted to be around me. That was a, that was my survival mechanism, but I had that inherently. So it doesn't mean I'm, doesn't mean I'm a good person, but I look back on that, on the person I was, let's say three years ago. And I look at the person I am now, and I like this person so much more than that person. Don't you got to be that person in order to realize that? I think so. Mm. I was lost and now I'm found, right? Mm. I, I mean- who was it? Thomas Aquinas, who was a complete cad, a real rascal. Love, I love using words like this, guys. I mean, a real rascal, okay? A cad. Sorry, a ne'er-do-well, if you will. A real, and I'd say nincompoop, but not even. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, he then became a saint. Why? Because he realized that ain't where the gold is, motherfucker. It's over here. The point I'm trying to say, guys, if you don't accept God in your heart, you're going to burn in fucking hell. <laughs> Is that too much for everybody? You'll be thrown in the lake fire, and you're going to go all the way down. And you think it's deep? It ain't even deep, bro. When you're like, ah! It's like, you're going to scream louder. It's going to get even hotter. But I'm not burning. Sorry, everybody. What were we talking about? That, that was a commercial break. <laughs> Brought to you by God.com. Brought to you by SoldierOfChrist.com. Soldierofchrist.com. Sorry, everybody. That's a good, uh, this is actually a good transition. I, I want to, what do you, what do you, let's clip that and put that on TikTok, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yeah, you, Jeff, Max, can you guys get on that right now? Thanks, guys. Oh, good God. I just really, after you, uh, after you start starting, I get a little tired of being so fucking deep and heavy. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to take the whole checkerboard and throw it right in the fucking air. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't play checkers, I play chess. I thought you said judo. Uh, judo? Mm -hmm. um, in regards to, you just brought up God and the soldier of God, whatever you just said. Yeah. What do you think happens after we die? I have no idea. Um, but I, I think you should behave as though something does happen. Ooh. So I, I, I will say that. I'm less concerned with that in some ways and more concerned with who I, what my friend Tarek Azim has a great thing. He said when his father died, he loved his father. And he saw his father die. He held his father when his father died. His father suffered from mental illness. But his father died with, he can only describe the feeling which was contentment. He was content. He had a smile on his face. And he said, on your deathbed, you take only one thing with you, a feeling. And he said, and I don't want that feeling to be a regret. I want to be content. And I, and I think it's a beautiful way to do it. And, you know, he said... He's Afghani and he, you know, he, he, his family lost everything. And he said, uh, you should always be preparing for your death. And, and, that, that, and that's what Socrates said. That's what Plato said. Um, and, and that's what anybody I think uh, I listen to. You prepare for your death. Even Miyamoto Masashi in the Book of Five Rings. Anybody that, you know, 
So Thomas More in A Man for All Seasons, that, that, that idea. I won't compromise my values. I won't compromise my principles. I am more than my appetites. I am more than this, this, this vessel. And th- that's why we kind of like think about people like Gandhi. And we think about Malcolm X, I think, said, I won't live long enough to read my own biography. And man, you know, we all go, damn, that's a bad motherfucker. But he was fighting for something that was bigger than himself. And when we see people that actually do that, we just go, see, that's the other thing. Why is it that we revere those people? Why don't we revere Julius Caesar? Why don't we revere the people that were so powerful? Why is it that Jeff Bezos is really wealthy? It's cool. But when we talk about, I don't know, a carpenter who was tortured on a cross, we're like, ah, you know. Or or we talk about Malcolm X, where we talk about Mohandas K. Gandhi who walked toward the violence and, you know, and just believed in passive resistance. There's something about those people that we revere, that we talk about, that we, that we, um, we build statues to. It's interesting. But why? Why is that? Well, I think because we inherently know that that's, that dovetails with the truth. That dovetails with the truth more than, say, the man who becomes powerful uh, in this realm, in, in rich and all those things. So it goes back to the being like of finding meaning and standing for something and going for it. And the fact that that's revered must mean that it's rare. It's very rare because it's really hard. It's very hard. It's very hard. We, we talk about those people with hushed tones. Why? Because they shame us with their courage and they're just as afraid, man. You know, you can, if you watch YouTube, um, Nelson Mandela, when he was sentenced to death, you can see him swallow. And he wasn't brave. He didn't. He acted brave, but he didn't feel brave. Well, that's the thing. I think there's a misconstrued concept with being brave. They think it's an absence of fear, but being brave is just continuing through fear. That's right. It's composure. It's, it's grace. That's what grace is. And I have a story from back east in Jersey. I remember uh, there's a, I'm not going to say the name, but uh, he was always, always the kid in town that could beat the shit out of everyone, was always fighting this or that. And we got called in for, I wasn't fighting. I, was, I wasn't even that guy. But I was by his side. And I remember... Um, he put on his boots. He was putting on his boots and forgive my language, but he was like, these are my pussy stomping boots. And I was like, okay. I was terrified of him. Even though he was, he was on my side, technically. And then, and, then, and then it looks at him and as we're walking up to like where the fight, his brother was going to fight, as we're walking up, he's like, man, I always get so, I always get so nervous. I always go scared and nervous before I go. And in my head, I'm like, that was a big lesson for me at whatever, 15 I was, 16. I was like, damn, this is like, you know, this is the guy in town that was the guy that beat the shit. There was the tough guy. I'm not, I'm not supporting all this stuff, but it was just like a switch, like, oh, even he's scared. He's the one that You ever talk to these down. SEAL Team 6, Delta Force guys, UFC fighters? They're all, they're all scared. Mm. If you're not scared, you're a, you're a fool. Well, you're so, if, you, if you're not, yeah. yeah, it's just that they learn how to kind of like, like, I don't, you know, I've talked to them, but, you know, it's like, I, I, they, they, they step outside themselves and just observe their fear. They observe it. They go, this is my body getting ready. You talk to yourself. This is my body getting ready for action, whatever you do. Yeah. But don't tell me that you're not afraid. It's always... It's always, you know, now you can get addicted to that fear. Yeah. You can get addicted to that juice, but, you know. What's that thing called? There's something called where you do one really, really incredibly hard, difficult thing a year. It's like a... It's a good idea. It's like Seneca used to sleep. Uh, you know, he'd take, a, I think, a month and he would just drink water and eat bread and sleep on, on, on a cold stone floor. Because he wanted to see, he was like, this is what people are afraid of. Like, if I lose everything, I'll mm. be all right. He's like, this is what people are afraid of. I can do this. I think that's important because, I mean, that's why I think these conversations are important to talk about other people's experiences, your experiences and your perspectives, because you can learn through other people and, and learn in preparation, maybe preparing for death in some, you know, similar way. But the idea that 
if you do, you don't have to, until you go through these situations, you're not know how you're going to react. But if you prepare for it and maybe put yourself in difficult situations, you can have built calluses in your yeah, I sense? think so. And then you'll be proud of yourself, right? Like yeah. if you go through some shit and you, and you get through it, yes. you're proud of yourself. You're just like, I'm tougher than I thought. 100%. You know, that's 100%. the other thing. If, if anybody's going through a lot of shit, a loss of any kind, first of all, understand that no one escapes that. And this is part of your book. It's, it's the chapter in your book. But the next chapter in your book should be... Um, you should be able to look back and say, I see, I think true loss is something like being in the middle of the ocean in a rowboat with no paddle. I mean, you don't see land and you don't know how to get back to land. The nature of chaos when chaos visits you is it comes in a form you don't know how to fight. You don't have a game plan. You don't have the weaponry. You don't have the armor because you've never seen this before. And you have no idea how you're going to fight. You have no idea how you're going to win. You have no idea like what is actually going to happen to you. You don't know if it's going to last forever. You don't know anything, man. That is the, the, it is the great unknown. And I think within that, when you are there, if you can just say to yourself, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to let this stop my momentum. I'm not saying if you lose a child that you don't hit rock bottom and you're on the ground in a fetal position. I'm not saying that doesn't happen to you. But hold on, man. Hold on. And please know that there is, that those clouds will part even if it seems impossible. They will. And align yourself with, with the truth. The truth. You know, take, take truthful action. Speak truthfully. And do, do the hard things. Take the pain and know that it's, it's going to be better for you. Know that that is God, the universe, higher truth, whatever you want to call it, looking, asking you to grow in a way you never thought was possible. Because, man, it, it is the worst. All you want is it to not happen. All you want is to go back to the shire, man. It's all you want, dude. You just want to go back to the safety. But that, that great saying, even in the Garden of Eden, God couldn't keep a snake out. God couldn't keep the devil out. So it's a beautiful place. But there was danger still lurked. Chaos was still there. Chaos was there, bro. And, and so even in the Garden of Eden, you weren't safe. So if you're looking to be safe, well, um, that's not a good way to go. It ain't a good way to live your life, man. Live dangerously. It's going to get dangerous regardless. Leave a good-looking corpse. Okay, guys? You know what I'm saying? Leave a good-looking corpse. This is brought to you by Corpse.com. The thing about me is I hit my chest first. I'm kidding. Of course I don't. I hit my glutes. I hit my thighs. It's all about my lower body and my posterior chain. The last thing I hit is my fucking chest, guys. Pack deck? No. Sorry. I'm an athlete. Okay? I'll do some bench, <laughs> but not a lot of it. Push-ups with resistance, you pussies. All right? How's that sound? Okay, sorry. That was a quick. So those uh, are uh, that was just for um, um, torso.com. I said corpse, but it's torso.com. Listen, we've talked a lot about deep shit. I Where's my like, camera? I feel like you've been a jack in the box. What's that though? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've been like a jack in the box where just you're winded up and at any moment. It's yeah, just because come I get out. tired of I being. I get tired. I get tired of being all fucking deep. It just drives me nuts. It literally just. Like, came like, right like, what am I, Tony um, Robbins? <laughs> am I a religious Tony Robbins? What am I, a priest? Fuck.
And that's also important, humor. Uh, Not taking yourself too seriously. Why do you think I have you? Why do you think I love talking to you on here? Why do you think I have Canadians on here? God, I'm such a good fucking guest so far. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Are you guys writing this stuff down? You better. All right, Brian, um, before I get you out of here, you mentioned earlier before that you, I asked you if you lost someone in your life, and there's obviously people that have come and gone. Yeah. But you also mentioned you're thinking about spirituality and stuff like that. So when you get older, do you think about death, whether it's you or people around you more now? Um, not really. No, no I, I think about my parents who are 83 and 82. Mm-hmm. I'll lose them. Um, but, uh, I don't think about my own death much. I, 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 um, I don't think it's helpful. I, 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 I think, I think I'm too concerned with my children. Right. I've got a 12 year old, a 15 year old, and I have a, a year and a half old. So I just want to be around for them. But you know, it's something about having children where you, you, you are, I am, one, two, I'm sixth place. It's like, you know, because the mother of my of my children, the mothers of my children are more important than I am. My children are more important than I am. And I, I think that's part of maturation too. You get older and you're like, you know, I, I'm vain. I try to work out. I, 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 I try to trim my beard. I get gray. I look like shit. I'm like, hey, you know, what are you going to do? I'm calcifying and stuff like that. You know, but I fight it and I, you know, I want, but that's a that's a that's a losing battle but you know uh, there's something about children that humbles you because you're just afraid to lose them and you're afraid you don't i don't want to go anywhere until i've raised them i just need to stick around to my son's 18 because my boys need me because i got to teach them that life is a kick in the fucking nuts Mm. and i'm going to be a bigger kick in the nuts i just want to teach them things that i didn't know you know are you are you you, uh no no, I I'm not saying you hit your kid. I know nah, it's I, I, that's not that I mean, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, but I, but I like to, so what I do with my children is I, I kind of try to build some mythology around who they are. Right. So with my son, I would say when he was younger to motivate him, I, I'm a big believer in kind of, uh, so I would say things like this. I'd, he, he'd be within earshot and I'd be talking and I'd be like, my son's a grinder, man. That kid won't give up. When he starts something, he doesn't give up. He just keeps going. And he'd hear that. And then I'd hear him say to his friends, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't give up. Like if I got to, so you're, you're building this persona, you know? Um, uh, or, you know, with my daughter, I'll say she's so, I have these nuanced conversations, which is true. I have these nuanced conversations with her. She's layered in her thinking and she's, she, she looks at both sides. And, and so you, you just, I, I believe in kind of acknowledging a spark that I see because they'll fulfill that. I love that expression, your children come through you, not from you. So I don't try to impose who I am on them. I think that's, my, my daughter's way too strong-willed anyway for that. But my son is a little more, you know, he's my son. So he's going to try to, he wants to please me. But I don't want to be a tyrant. And you can become a tyrant without even realizing it to your children. You just can. Your expectations are too high. You're, you're trying to make them what you weren't. You're trying to, you know, it's, it's, I think you have to be very careful with that. So I try to, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't like the idea of discipline. I like the idea of inspiration. And there's that. a big difference, I think. Inspire your children. Lead by example. And then there are ways to be very creative so that they can start to learn. There are ways to impart the principles uh, they need for life in a subtle roundabout way. Let them kind of discover it on their own. 
100%. You know? That's kind of what I like to yeah, say. If you, lay, if you lay it down too hard, I'm sure I can see them kind of being just for me resentment and down the line who the hell happens. Well, some kids do well with, you know, real rigidity. Some children are, are do very well with, with a military dad, with like, you know, structure. This is how we're going to do it. You're up at this time. I'm going to kick your ass. Some people respond very well to that because you're giving them rules. Those people go into the military a lot of times, law enforcement. Some people really love order and structure. But you have an artistic child, and they're not going to respond that way. They're way too sensitive, man. Sure. You got to be careful because you don't want to stifle their creativity. So I don't know. There's no blueprint. I, I, and by the way, I'm improvising it as I go. I don't know. That's what you're saying before, obviously, in a much different tone, baby. We don't, we're kind of just figuring it out. Well, you know, I, I think you lost your father when you, when you were 12. My son is 12. Yes. And I just spent the day with him. So I think about that. The worst thing I can think of is him not growing up with me because I would worry so much that he wouldn't figure it out. But you did figure it out. You know, you did figure it out. You had a lot of help. Yeah, you did, but you did it. And, you know, so it's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Well, that, that was the interesting thought about, you know, having kids. You're saying you're too busy thinking about them, but that, that's the other side of it, you know? Like, if it's even, to me, I'm, I'm not, I don't have kids, so I can't relate in any capacity but the thought is, I, should, I can't, if I was, I was like, I can't go anytime soon. Like, my kids need me. You know what I mean? That's when like, I felt like the, maybe the mortality question would come into play. I'm not trying to plant that in your head, by the way, but that was just my thought about it. Brian, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, as I usually say at the end, if you have any last words. I'll be in Salt Lake City at uh, Wise Guys. So come check me out uh, September 1 and 2. Only if you like to laugh way too hard for over an hour. Okay, guys, because uh, I'm not just deep, but I'm hilarious. <laughs> Why? Because I'm super talented. Hey, Brian, how long did it get you to get funny? Like, what was your thing? I was funny the first time I did stand up, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. That's right. It got a lot of laughs and it just kept getting better from there. Brian Callen, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Callen, guys. Brian Callen. <laughs> Dead Talks, we out. Thank you again. <laughs>